superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Wow. Mind. Boom. Blown. The Rich Eisen Show. Their tweet was basically the equivalent of like, hey, no offense, but, and you're like, whoa, why did you just offend me? They were like, Dak's getting an MRI. And I'm like, now I have to freak out. Dak is going to be okay. Earlier on the show, NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah. Saints defensive end Cameron Jordan. Still to come. ESPN college football analyst Kirk Herbstreet. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Okay, everybody. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air, and we got it's a guest palooza this hour. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, the worldwide leader in sports, he has got a uh, a new book out, Out of the Pocket: Football, Fatherhood, and College Game Day Saturdays. Available today wherever books are sold. We'll talk about college football season coming up, as well as. Uh, the, the, I'm telling you, the SEC is forming a Super League, and at some point we're going to get a Super League in college football, whether it's coming from other conferences to join the SEC or other conferences are going to band together so nobody else joins the SEC, and then eventually everything's going to come together, and we're going to get a Super League. That's the way it's going to go. I wonder what Kirk has to say about that. We talked to Daniel Jeremiah in hour number one about all the rookie quarterbacks and what we've seen from them. Uh, in the first preseason week. Tim Tebow was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We talked about that over the last couple of hours. Uh, But joining us back here on the Rich Eisen Show is one of our favorites. Um, He's been in the league forever and a day. First round selection back in 2011. We were talking about the 2010 draft, right? Um, And this man is a man who is the 24th overall pick of the 2011 National Football League draft by way of Cal. Coming to us from New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints defensive end, one of our favorites, Cameron Jordan, back here on the show. How are you doing, Cameron? I'm good, man. Just finished up with practice for the day. Yes. Can't can't uh, can't be more blessed. Okay. How do what what we through what a practice looks like? Middle of August, getting ready for a season. What is it? What does it look um, like? Give me. I was. I don't even. I don't even. Middle of August. I don't even know what day today is. You know. <laughs> um, <I'll> just, <laughs> look, we're, we're going in practice. We're full pads, and you know. Full pass. Less enough to be, be healthy and, and, and be able to get after it. Okay. Be better each and every day. So when it comes down to it, we're ready for the next game. We've already had, we've already had one down. I mean, we clearly have stuff we need to clean up. Right. And that's that's what we're preaching for. And wh- help, how, help us uh, help, help us edge off you know all of our uh, faults, I guess. How does the cleanup look? Like, walk me through the process of cleaning up. Like, uh, meetings, stuff like that? I mean, uh, again, uh, I'm just trying to give people an idea of what it's like to be uh, an NFL veteran uh, on a team with so many hopes and wishes and question marks, quite frankly, going into a season. Right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of reasons, but I mean, when it gets down to it, it's the emphasis in practice of, you know, creating more turnovers from the defensive side, the emphasis in practice of, uh, you know, we had a couple of offsides penalties happen for our D-line that we focused on, especially today. Um, it's, the, it's the emphasis for our offense of, you know, keeping the ball high and tight and always having, you know, five points of contact on the ball. Um, but at, at this point, you know, it's just it's just getting better each and every day and knowing your repertoire between you and your interior defensive line so we can get a better pass rush happening. Well, one of the videos that came out of practice uh, that went a little bit viral, uh, Cam Jordan, was uh, Jameis Winston uh, with Uh-oh. techno dancing. Uh, where were you <laughs> when he was doing something like that? Where were you? I was, I was probably beating the banks. I was just pumping myself. Jameis just happened to be uh, mm-hmm. hip thrusting. I mean, but you know, that's what happens. He married, he got kids. You know, you know when you get to Vegas, sometimes you got to get a little hip pump. Okay. Uh, and that's definitely something you never saw from Breeze, right? At any point over the last 15 years? I'm sure it was. You know, Drew just stays in, in box, if it, if it was. You know, he stays in his, in his shoulder with, you know, two steps. <laughs> James is not afraid to get out there. Oh, man. Walk me through this process here with the quarterbacks and what you're seeing. Um, you're the one practicing against them. Uh, walk me through what you're seeing from the two guys competing for the that treasured spot to succeed Drew Brees' as, uh, starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints that you can share with me, right. Cam. I mean, you know what you got to taste of me. He's a guy who's going to, you know, uh, take off when he can and, and really stretch the field with his feet. Um, he's, he's, he looks like he's growing from last year to this first preseason game. And at the same time, you also know what you're getting from Davis. I mean, you've got a guy who who wants to go wants to go deep, and he's not shy about it. He likes taking shots. He's that daring quarterback. And, you know, I think that stretches the defense. Um as to who's going to start, I still don't know. You still don't know. We still don't know. Sean right. still doesn't know. At this point, if Sean doesn't know, how am I supposed to know? Um, but I do know that, you know, these two quarterbacks, we can definitely win with. We've proven we can win with Taysom at a, at a, at a what, 75% win clip out of a four-game four stretch. Um, Taysom does nothing but show his growth, his speed, and, I mean, his mental processing has gotten faster from last year to this year. Uh, we talk about Jameis and what he was able to do over at Tampa, you know, the yards he was allowed to amass. And then you sit him behind uh, Drew Brees for a year. And actually, we saw this past game from the Ravens. He looked damn good. So I don't know, you know, what it comes down to who started quarterback. I know we can focus on what we can control, and that's our defense. And I think our defense, for the better part of the game, uh, has shown where we have taken our talents and how we've elevated and how we're able to elevate our play from the linebackers to the DBs. And of course, we've got our guys up front. No, and, and and I totally know, and you know, and I would never uh, suspect or expect you to, or, or put you in a position, quite frankly, uh, about choosing or telling me about, you know, what you're hearing from the coach, because I'm sure he's he's keeping things close to the vest, and as you point out, doesn't know. But what 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 I what I am curious about is something that has to be new to you, certainly in New Orleans. And that is watching a quarterback competition and being being uh, obviously your play and that of the defense can make an effect on this decision based in what's going on in practice and and how you go about that and what you guys talk about and how how that is to experience what I'm sure is new for you and what you can share about that, Cameron. Yeah, I mean, honestly, prior to the last two years, as you said, hey, do, do retires, what's going to happen? I'm going to hit you with the I don't know. Because of the last few years when it happened, where you know we had we saw Teddy Bridgewater come in and, and come in for a five game stretch and we went five and zero, and we saw Chase come in last year for a four game stretch and we went three and one. We're at the utmost confidence that it has to be on the defense. We stressed 
between each other what we have to do as a defense. So it's not that we don't know what's going to happen. We do know what's going to happen. We know that there, there can be a championship winning defense. We look at, you know, when Denver won their Super Bowl, it's not like they were Peyton Manning heavy reliance. They were, you know, DeMarcus Williams, Von Miller. It was, um, it was the entire defense that they had back there that really won the championship. Defense wins championships, and that's what we hold our hat to. That's what we're trying to create as a regular standard. Cameron Jordan here on the Rich Eisen Show. H- how is the NFL different now than when you first came in? I can now ask you this question. Since you, <laughs> I since mean, there been... was an Eli Manning, there was a Philip Rivers, there was a Peyton Manning, there was a Drew Brees. Um, they're all gone, <laughs> right? There's still a Brady. Yeah, there's still a Brady. I mean, he's probably going to be playing until he's 75. I don't... <laughs> right. He's the Phil Mickelson of, of football. Um, when we think about everything that we want to do or what I've seen, we're not allowed to hit quarterbacks too hard anymore. You can't hit them low. can't hit them too high. You have to put a pillow down before you sack them. Um, you're now not allowed to be excited about football after you make a big play. Don't, don't directly look at your opponent and celebrate. You have to probably walk and clear five yards to celebrate. Um, officers, officers of receivers are now allowed to push offs. Defensive players cannot touch. There's a lot of un, un, uh, what do we call it? Uh, you're not allowed to really hit crossing wide receivers anymore. Now they're defenseless players. I don't know. You tell me, Rich. How much has the game changed? Well, here's the thing with the taunting that you just referred to. I'm kind of thinking what got called uh, in, in, in Indianapolis against that kid. Was it Benny LeMay, right? Is that who it is? Chris Brockman, No right? doubt. That, that, no doubt. That, 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 that's kind of ridiculous, and I, I think that's the NFL making sure that um, – the emphasis is taken. Yeah, and that in that week one, week two, you might not see a flag like that. I could be wrong. I mean, I could absolutely be wrong here. But so is that is that something that that Peyton Sean is talking to you guys about? Maybe the rest of the coaches about just walk away, don't stand over the guy if you're going to say something. Just get the hell out of the vicinity of the player you've just dominated or, or taken down. Is that the way you've been? Absolutely. Our our uh, we we caught a penalty, I, I believe, in our game on a third down stop. That would have got us off the field. One of our one of our defensive linemen was juiced up about the play, celebrated, and next thing I know, it's, it's a flag, and they get a new set of downs. I mean, these are this is something that's affecting the game and taking some of the emotion away from the game. And it wasn't even as serious as the Indianapolis coach running back when all he did was get excited about him making a hell of a play. I mean, his offensive line really behind him. They pushed the pile. Another one, eight yards, got a That's something to be excited about. You can't be excited about football. I, I mean, hell, even tennis players are allowed to get excited. And that's about as non-computational as you can get. <laughs> Your coach is on the competition committee. He might be able to make a phone call here, you know? I mean, like... Uh... He's also an offensive-minded coach. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was called on an offensive player in in, uh, in Indianapolis. There's a running back, as you point out, made a great play. Like, he carried a bunch of defenders five yards, and he's also probably... Fighting for a roster spot—that's a big play for somebody like him. That's a big preseason moment, you know. Absolutely. So, you know, all right. So, uh, do you have your pod still? You still doing that? Of course, big trust levels. You know, we just uh, we're releasing uh, just finished up, so we're releasing all of our episodes on every Wednesday for well, at least the next eight eight or nine weeks. Okay. Um, you know, we had guys like Marvin Jones, Keenan Allen, Nick Saban, uh, oh. almost on the cast. Yeah, yeah, Nick yeah, Saban. Yeah. Well, I, obviously Ingram was the one who booked him, right? Obviously. I mean, 
He's oh yeah, I mean, like, you know, they golf together or something like that. I, I don't, I don't golf much. So <laughs> I clearly got to get my, give I got to get my friendships up across the golf course. How'd you? What? What'd you ask Saban? What'd you? What'd you get from him on your pod, um, Camp Jordan? I, I believe I asked how many, how many players could count to ten. But beyond the SEC, um, <laughs> yeah, they had phenomenal talent with coming out of Bama. It was more the lines of how many? I mean, how much talent do they have? And does NIL affect it? I think I think we've asked some pertinent questions. I mean, he told me they could count to eleven, so I guess that defeated my question of time to change. Okay, and we're showing a photo. <laughs> we're showing a photograph of you here, uh, Cameron. Looks like did you change your hair because there's a big whole thing with Travis Kelsey shaving his beard off? Did you go? What did you go more corporate here, Cameron? What's going <laughs> I mean, on? I've got I've got I've got a little part of the fro, you know. Uh, but I would say corporate. I just say you know it's a little it's a little high and tight right now. Okay, we're we're we growing the we growing the hair. I mean, I had a cherry curl last year. You, know, could, you can't. I don't even know how Dion kept it up for as long as he did. <laughs> <laughs> a lot like, of activator. How's that? I'm saying that's a, that's a lot of manicured situations that I'm I'm so opposite of of high high maintenance. Well, I mean, you're talking to somebody who hasn't had to worry about his hair in about ten years, man. So you know, I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm I'm with you on that. But again, how, how does that work? Did uh, someone in your family say, "Let's go different direction"? You just looked in the mirror and said, "I don't want to have much maintenance." I mean, how does something like this happen for a player? Um, like you? I, I love the idea of a Jerry curl, but probably until like week four, and then I was like, "All right, this this takes way too much to get to get right." Okay. Um, and then after off season. I handed my son the Clippers, and I was like, "Bro, just just have some fun." And we, we he cut, you know, my five year old cut my hair together. Not six, but at the time. Is that right? Your five year old oh, cut yeah. your together? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just gave gave him gave him uh, Clippers with, with a little one guard on there, and just let him go to work. That's some serious trust levels. Handing a five, <laughs> handing a, hey, a five year old some Clippers. Trust levels is all we do. Uh-huh. Absolutely. If I can't trust my legacy, who can I trust? Okay, so uh, if you're saying that your episodes are all in the can, that means two seasons of this podcast have gone by without an invitation to me Uh-oh. to appear. Is that what uh, I'm to understand? Or am I picking? Up, am I picking up what you're putting down? Cameron no, no. Jordan? See, what happened was season <laughs> one we focused on just football. Season two we started branching out. Uh-huh. Season three, who knows where we're going? We're going to shoot for the stars, you know, we're going to shoot for the moon and land on the stars. No, first of all, two things, two things. Cameron, you want to talk about branching out, I'm the branch out, okay? When you branch out, that's when you call me. And two, I just remember when Stuart Scott did SportsCenter highlights and there was uh, a shot of somebody who needed to explain the unexplainable because you just got in uh, in trouble. He would say, see, what what happened was, so you just started your sentence in that way. You are, if you will, busted not giving me the invitation, which is okay. Just come straight through the front door and tell me. That's okay. I'm a, I can take it. We we went UFC. We went. Uh, <laughs> we went. We went an Olympic fencer. Okay. Um, we even went. We, we even right. went, uh, went Manta Ray from Aquaman. Candyman coming up and yeah yeah doing up a team. Oh, he's I good. Mean, got, that's a star. That's what I'm saying. We, that's a got, star. We've got some. We, we just decided to branch out just a little bit. Now and then next year we're going to need you and mm. next. All right. That's 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 a tap my leg. I'll be around, Cameron. <laughs> All right. I'll be around. All right. Thanks for the call. You take care. We'll chat hey, during the season. Okay. Appreciate you guys. For Look for my call. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Cameron Jordan putting me on the pay no mind list. Oof. Look, he his coach doesn't know. He doesn't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. We're sitting here. It's August seventeenth. Three weeks from the. We're gonna season, have an man. answer, and it's against the um, you know, Packers. Big game, I think. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Cal Bear on Cal Bear Violence coming up. Sarah Rogers walking in the door. Ooh. There's Cam Jordan. Okay. Uh, let's take a break so we're on time for Mr. Herbstreet. There's Kirk coming up next. And there's Jamal Adams news from the Seattle Seahawks, huh? Did he get paid? Not. Is he coming in? Not. That's coming up. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Back here on Peacock. Um, so before the radio audience returns, as you know, uh, grab those. I should have told you this in the commercial break. Oh. Grab those uh, boxes down there, those cereal boxes. Down Both there. of them? Please. Please. Because there has been, a, remember Flutie Flakes? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's there been a long line the Gronk of. Gronk Flakes. Uh, Gronk Flakes, right? Hold it up. We got T.O.'s O's back in the day. He signed it. We've got Joss's Jacks, right? You, if you move them forward, lean them forward from the thats yeah, there you go, there you go. Uh, so there's been a long line of, of cereals. And there's a new one. In Western New York. There's a new one. What do we got? Put it up. Whoop, hold on. There it is. Chub Crunch. Nick <laughs> Chubb. Available Whoa. locally. Whoa. Um, exclusively at, I guess, the, a, a, a supermarket in Cleveland, Heinen's. Hit him with the Heinen. So is this like Captain Crunch? I don't know. Let's take a look. As you could see, there's it's it, it looks like a oh. cinnamon toast situation. Oh, whoa, whoa, even better. That's what it says. Cinnamon toast squares, as you could see. Wow. And there's a certain Halloween vibe, I think, going on, or a Batman vibe. Is that what it is? Interesting. Chub Crunch. There you go. Should we? Uh... We should all any cereal. Any. Let me just address the camera. <laughs> <laughs> any NFL player. Send it. You got cereal? <laughs> Send it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yes, Mr. Feller, you want to share I just wanted to share something with you. Yes. Oh. You guys ended last hour talking about YMCA. Yeah. And the village people. Yeah. Yep. Either my dad is now watching this show regularly uh-huh. or just took a real weird turn. Yeah. Just text me, hey, Jay, did you know the village people didn't wear underwear? <laughs> I would assume he's watching. I'm really <laughs> Wow. All right. Let's just hope he's watching. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, he's not. Something's wrong. I was going to say. Either way, I think you should check in with your dad. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I was going to say, Rich, are we? Uh, should we go Chubb uh, Fantasy? Oh, good Lord, yes. Don't you think? Certainly since, uh, well, I, should, I don't want to talk out loud about it because the last guy that we were talking out loud about blew out his Achilles. I know, I know. Cam I know. Akers, just in case we're the Ziggy here. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say he's one of the bubble wrap guys, but, you know, they got Kareem Hunt. They've got other guys. 
but um, but didn't he lead the league in rushing? Last he's year? just I mean, terrific. Other, other Nick than, Chubb, you know, after bro. Derek Henry. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Him and Sony Michelle on the same backfield with Baker Mayfield in the Rose Bowl, and they still lost. No, no, pardon me. My bad. They were in the against same Rose Bowl together. Pardon me. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was there that day. Yeah. Even though what I just said belies all of it. <laughs> I was there too. Great At game. least Herb Street's not on the phone yet to hear all that. He's not. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> well, that's not good because we're back. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Kirk Herb Street going to join us shortly here uh, on the program. Um, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Nathan in Los Angeles has been hanging on forever. What's up, Nathan? Nope. Oh, you put Nathan on line two. You there, Nathan? Nathan. Hello? I got hey, you. Gary, what's going on, Nathan? Hey, how are you? How you been? So I think it's largely agreed that this is potentially one of the most competitively balanced years that the NFL has had in quite some time. Okay. And given that thought, I wanted to present two possible scenarios that I want give me one you think has more chance of playing out. Either no team in the NFL wins more than 12 games or no team in the NFL wins fewer than four. Oh, more teams are going to win more than 12. You got an extra game this year. And you know, there's always, and thank you for the call, Nathan. There's always somebody's going to be tanking for somebody. Well, they're not really tanking. Don't you think you take somebody losing, winning fewer than four, then that's more likely to happen. Don't you think? Yes, I think the Texans are going to be very, oh, way, very bad. How about, or how about both are going to happen? You got an extra game this year. If the Texans should be tanking for Spencer Rattler right now. Well, because Oklahoma was ranked two yeah. in the AP poll that yeah. just came out, preseason AP poll. This, and this kid's like Mahomes. Let's talk to somebody who knows all about this, uh, the author of Out of the Pocket, Football, Fatherhood, and College Game Day Saturdays. He is, uh, that's available where all books are sold. He is Kirk Herbstreet back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How you doing, Kirk? I'm good, bud. How you doing? I'm uh, better for talking to you. How you been? Life's good. Good. Family's Great job good. Job at the at the Hall of Fame. I, I enjoyed. Uh, I, I know we missed out on last year, but I thought it was it was really well done how they they put it on back to back nights and every every time I watch every speech and and it just uh, you, you kind of leave inspired. You know, I thought they all kind of hit different areas of, of uh, the, the messaging, but uh, loved them all. I thought Peyton hit a home run with. Uh, I thought he was about to go strictly SNL Peyton on us there for a second, but then right. he ended up with a, with a great message. Well, it was I'll, a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, what was most impressive about Peyton Manning's, it wasn't a speech, it was a presentation. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate to see, hear and witness all manners of Hall of Fame speeches. And his speech had a photograph to go with each line. And every single time he mentioned somebody or something, the photograph, to use the television phrase I'm sure you're familiar with, hot changed to the next one. And whoever was in charge of that button for the Pro Football Hall of Fame had the most pressure on him or her to make sure that Peyton Manning got off the stage knowing that his presentation as it intended landed. And it was spectacular. The message and then the well, method let, and what, the way he delivered it too was just let, off let me the tell charts. you, I've done, I've done a speech with him where he and I kind of, kind of, uh, did it together. And I, he asked, there was a deal in Nashville and it was, it was about Pat summit. It was honoring Pat summit. And he, um, he texted me like 50 questions. 
And then he voice texted me like the next day, <laughs> another eight minutes of, okay, forget number two, you know, and then number six. Now don't worry about that. Six, we've already covered up. And he goes through eight minutes voice text, oh, yeah. eight minutes. And then by the time we got, usually you do those, there's, there's no stress. You know, you're sitting there with Peyton. We just, we'll just wing it. You know, we'll go for 40, 35, whatever we're going to do. And he had me so wigged out on, on like, do I skip number two? Do I go to number three? Oh, I mean, yeah. it was, but he, and then he's like, Kirk, it's funny you asked that question. You know, he just did incredible <laughs> with his presentation. <laughs> I love that. He's, he's truly one of the most prepared individuals. Yes that you've ever yeah. met and the most professional yeah. individuals you've ever met and somebody who's so prepared and wants to make sure everything goes the way that he wants. The fact that he is also potentially the most well-known for audibling and Omaha yeah. at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It truly is remarkable how you put yeah. it all together. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the SNL stuff that, that he does. Is, oh yeah. Just legend. Oh, legendary. The, the fake United way commercial where he's winging it at children is one of the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. sketches of yeah. all time they're beeping him out <laughs> what are you doing no question about it and it's kind of interesting just to i guess uh put a point on this part of our discussion that he goes in the hall of fame with charles woodson and that was you know the two yeah. guys uh who went finished uh one two for the heisman in 97 you know right. and and we showed a photograph of who else was in new york that day randy moss was in new york that yeah, day i mean shade. oh my goodness gracious what a yeah. class that was back in, in 97, you know, uh, yeah. Kirk Hertzfeld here on the Rich Eisen show. Uh, before we get into your book, uh, I, I believe you tell me if I'm way off here, we're beginning to see the beginning of a super league in college football. That it seems that way. You know, I think it, we're think seeing it's it one league or you think it's four leagues. Here's the way I'm Most seeing people it. People think it's four leagues. I think, uh, I don't know how we're going to get there, but you know, Everybody at watching Oklahoma and Texas do what they did. Uh, everybody else in every other conference is going to have to band together to make sure nobody else peels off to join right. them. And they're going to have to band together. And at some point when you got maybe two or three or four Super Leagues, it'll just make sense to do the whole damn thing, you know? Yeah. And that, I think it's inevitable, Kirk, well, right now. I think we're all we're all left to speculate right now because we're we're kind of in a tsunami with with college football. You know, it's just the SEC has been a behemoth, and now they bring in the two brands of OU and Texas. And it's like, it's like, where did that come? We're just we're just trying to get our arms around name, image, and likeness and transfer portal, and now we got right. Texas and OU joining the SEC. Um, man, what happened there? And and you're left with the Big Twelve with some still some really good brands, you know, like Oklahoma state and, um, TCU, West Virginia, Iowa state at the top 10 team right now at the job Matt Campbell's doing. So I don't know. Part of me is excited about what the sec has going, but the other part of me is like, where, where are we headed? What's happened? What's good. What's the big 10 going to do? What, what's the PAC 12 going to do? What's left of the big 12. And so I, I, I feel the same way that my biggest concern with this whole thing is, we don't have a Roger Goodell in college football. No. We have five. We have five. Well, I know. I'm just saying we don't have a commissioner. We don't have a one voice, whether you like him or you don't. You don't like his statement, what he's going to do or his ruling. Here's the here's the voice, Roger Goodell. Boom. There's the ruling. Here we have Greg Sankey. He's looking after his constituents, right? His players, his coaches, his ADs, his presidents, his fans. He doesn't care what's going on on the West Coast. 
West Coast didn't care what's going on in the Big Ten. Big Ten doesn't care about the Big 12 or the SEC. So they're all worried about their own world. Well, how are we collectively, as a sport, going to move the ball down the field when we got five different agendas working in different places? You know, that's so. I think the I think the the uh, the COVID year taught us a lot of things. But one of the things it taught us about college football is we need one voice. It's okay to have four or five voices that report to the one voice, but that one voice needs to make some decisions that will collectively help the sport move that, you know, as I say, move the ball down the field to help the, the greater good of college football, not just the greater good of the SEC or the greater good of the Big Ten. We, we need to move. Uh, and I, that's why I think I, would be, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them pull away from the NCAA, mm-hmm. create their own governing body, oh, yeah. find a commissioner, and, yeah. and just and just start doing it that way. No doubt about it, because, I mean, Kirk Herbstreit here again, his book, Out of Pocket, Football, Fatherhood, College, Game Day, Saturday, is available where all books are sold. We'll talk about that in a second. You, no question about it. I mean, you mentioned the COVID year. COVID, as we know, has ravaged, ravaged budgets across college sports and athletics. And yeah. for b- ends to continue to be met, certainly with Title IX requirements as well, you got to look for money. And everybody is going to make this sort of decision. Oklahoma, Texas, Gold Rush is going to be on here. And I'm, I'm, my eyes are peeled right now, Kirk. And again, you tell me if I'm, I'm off or you think you know, this is, this is something that I'm on, you know, that I don't know if I'm reinventing the wheeler, but my eyes on Clemson and Ohio state and the the athletic directors there and the school presidents there, if Ohio state decided to say, you know what, we're going to join the sec right now. And Clemson did the same thing right now. Poof. Honestly. And, and it would be remarkable if Michigan and Ohio state didn't, you know, converse on this subject together. If, if Michigan does decide to do something like this, like that's wow. where this thing kind of goes as far as I'm concerned, because wow. I mean, got, I, I've never even, never really you know, thought about everybody just kind of going into, as you're saying, one big league. I've, I've kind of looked at it as I see us having potentially four of these super conferences mm-hmm. and, and they, they kind of go away and, and leave and, and just, like I said, create their own world. But, uh, I, I've never until you said that. I've never really heard heard that perspective or, or that idea. I maybe I, I could maybe be. Maybe I'm holding on to hope that uh, there's something really fun about college football that you know the the, the Midwest, you know the Big Ten region and the SEC and Pac-12 and everybody kinds of pride themselves on 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 being strong. You know, it's just like the NFL. Like you know, different divisions like to think that they play the best version of football and there's some pride within the NFC and AFC and I think with college football the roots go even deeper mm-hmm. and and to take away that you, you know we're taking away tradition we're taking away rivalries you know and that to me is it's a little bit of a slippery slope um, but you know I'm trying my best to to as a traditionalist I'm trying my best to keep an open mind to all these things that are happening, but it's, it's a little bit scary. Well, I respect that from you, Kirk, because, you know, in a super league, I know it, it'll be you and Fowler calling the biggest games. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you know, the, the, these pieces of filet mignon will be placed on your plate to serve to the rest of America, you yeah, know? So I, so. I, I respect yeah, your approach sure. on that, you know, um, because uh, honestly, I just think that, this is the the way it's all going to go. And h- how would you say the NIL 
first blush has hit and coaches that you've spoken to, are they open to it? Do they view this as potentially, you know, locker room splitting that somebody's going to make a million and the other kids who are, you know, 90 to 120 that make up special teams and things like that uh, aren't privy to it? Like, what do you think? think? I think they're concerned. I think time will tell. I, I, I would not be surprised to see, some of these companies are doing a, an entire roster where everybody gets a thousand bucks or everybody gets, you know, whatever it might be. And then at least everybody gets something. And then, you know, if you have a quarterback or you have whoever the star, the player, star player on your team is gets, you know, some of these, these crazy deals that, that maybe is a little bit easier to accept for people having nothing. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a little bit of a wait and see approach. There's a little bit of, people overreacting to it. I was just on an ESPN call in a seminar and they said, I think there've been over 1300 deals, 53% of which are outside of college football and outside of men's basketball, which I found interesting. And the average deal is $923. So I don't know if it's, is, you know, the, the sky is falling. All these kids are going to be making millions of dollars the way, you know, there's been a, a handful or a couple guys have been reportedly making, you know, good money. The Bryce Young story of Alabama when Nick Saban was at a, a speech in Texas and he said, hey, you know, our quarterback hadn't taken a snap. But he's already close to seven figures. Um, that doesn't accidentally come out, you know, from, from Nick Saban. But I, I don't know. I, I'm still kind of six weeks in, just kind of watching. I think a lot of this stuff is social media driven. TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and things like that, mm-hmm. based on how many followers you have, will, will dictate, you know, how much money you get paid per tweet. So it's not like you're going down to Bubba's to go get a new car every <laughs> every week and things the way it's being portrayed. At least at this point, it hasn't been that way after six weeks. And before we get to your book, Kirk Herbstreet, um, I do want to ask you about Justin Fields because that was a large part of our conversation last we spoke prior. I think yeah. it was either just before or after the draft that. You, you obviously yeah. uh, helped broadcast for the worldwide leader. And now we just saw what he did, albeit against the twos, yeah. I get it, uh, in his sure. first preseason game. I, I cannot think that we see that anything twitching in that direction by, by him against the Bills that, that Matt Nagy would start to have to think, based on what I'm assuming is happening, blossoming inside the walls of that building, meeting rooms and such going yeah, in, in and, Fields' direction to start the season. What do you think of what we saw from Fields this weekend? And, well, and first, I'll subject? just go back to our conversation. If you remember, I, I, was, I wasn't I was this way with Dwayne Haskins because, you know, it's not like, oh, it's a Buckeye quarterback, so he's going to go to bat for him. But I was this way with Justin Fields, and it's because of what's inside his chest. This kid is as competitive as a guy as you're ever going to meet. And when you throw on top of that the skill set – and he, you know, he, he somehow creates an edge like the world's against him. He even did it at Ohio State. And I sometimes I was like, bro, like you've been on top of the mountain your whole life. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that you got a chip on your shoulder. I don't know where it comes from, but everyone loves you. Uh, but then leading into the draft, they didn't. You know, he, he took he was the one quarterback who took a lot of hits. And he, man, I've never seen a guy with more of an eye of the tiger. Like I'm going to show them that 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 was genuine than Justin Fields, you know, leading into the draft and he gets drafted. And I've told people that are in Chicago, I was like, congratulations, because you, you finally got your franchise quarterback. Mm. You, and I don't know. I'm not going by what he did the other day. I'm with you. It's first game. They're not showing a lot of coverage. It's, it's exhibition football. The game changes dramatically, you know, better than anybody from exhibition football to real football. But 
there's just a lot there to like and a lot of what was being said about him last one there first one to leave and all that kind of nonsense was really the furthest thing from the truth um his teammates love him hard worker and yeah like i said i I, until you see him in person you don't realize how big and imposing he is and that's how athletic he is as far as his ability to create and he's got a big arm so there if he picks up the offense um, I, I'm excited to watch the Bears, and I'm excited to see them grow around him once he eventually gets his chance, whether they give Andy the nod early or eventually at some point, obviously, they're going to hand the reins over to Justin Fields. But he, he's got a huge future in my mind. Well, and also Mac Jones looks to be having – he looks the part, right, in, in this offense, yeah. knowing how to – to maneuver it the way Josh McDaniels wants and protect it the way that Belichick wants. And then in terms of a fit – I cannot imagine Belichick serving anything up coaching style, tough love style that Mac Jones hasn't already absorbed from Nick Saban, right? right? I mean, like yeah, that's... And I think there's a reason that, that, that Coach Belichick continues to look closely in Tuscaloosa for players that might be able to, to help him out just because it's, it's kind of turnkey, you know, as far as the culture. They go from one to the next. It's, it's just an extension of what they learned whether we're at Alabama with Coach Saban. Of all the quarterbacks, to me, he he processes things the quickest. And and I think coming out of Sark's offense, which is probably the most Mm -hmm. NFL-friendly, that that was the one thing on Mac Jones. If you're going to look at him in a pair of shorts and go to the combine and compare him to some of these other guys, you're probably going to say, he's accurate. But when you throw him up on a board or you watch him talk about film and watch how quickly his brain sees things and how quickly he communicates that – which is right up Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, right up their alley. It, it, it would be, it would shock me if he doesn't go there and have a really, really good opportunity to have some success there. I think that's a perfect fit for him. I don't know if you could handpick the better fit uh, for him than to go to to New England and, and be in that offense. Out of the pocket football fatherhood and college game day Saturdays. Kirk Herbstreit, congratulations on the book. Why and uh, and and what? Are there, I guess, the two questions uh, well, about you with this book? It's, it, you know, it's it's not it's not just football or my broadcast uh, journey that I've been on. It's you know, it's a little bit deeper than that. We, Gene Wojciechowski, who's a, a friend of mine, and, and you know him well. He mm-hmm. works at ESPN on Game Day, and a great author and has written several books. He approached me and just wanted to just kind of tell my story. He knows me well enough to know about um you know my background i came from a kind of a dysfunctional family and and um parents divorced when i was eight it it, it took a effect on on me quite a bit my dad was my hero you know he played at ohio state he was a captain and i grew up loving ohio state and he was a big part of that and then at eight years old he was he was gone and um kind of out of my life for, for a while and remarried a, a woman and and um, kind of immersed himself into that family, and he was in and out. And um, and you know, I, I didn't have you know some kids go through divorce; they have resentment, and they have anger and hostility. Turn to drugs sometimes. For me, it was more of an kind of an emptiness. Just didn't really have the relationship that I wanted, and that continued throughout most of my life. Um, even when I had kids myself, it was just kind of a strange deal. So it it just Gene talked me into becoming. I guess vulnerable for a guy that's incredibly introverted and, and shy and not comfortable in talking about how I feel about things. This this is one way to kind of get things, I guess, off your chest is to write a book about it. So there's a lot there about being a son and then eventually becoming a father. And by no means am I acting like I have all the answers. If anything, it's the opposite. I'm just kind of 
telling you about how I'm trying to learn as I go here. And, you know, I ask my boys all the time because I didn't have a dad at home. I always ask them if I'm doing an okay job, you know, because, you know, you, you, you get into some big decisions as a dad and you just do the best you can. And um, I guess more than anything, it's a book that uh, I hope resonates with some folks that maybe have been through some similar things. And, and um, I don't know, I just, I just thought it with Gene, it felt comfortable and, and opening up. So th- that's, that's not the whole book, but that's a big portion of it. And uh, then we get into just my journey, which is kind of an anomaly as just a pretty solid big 10 quarterback. I wasn't like Des didn't win a Heisman, didn't win all, you know, wasn't all American didn't go to Super Bowls, And yet um, how I got to the position that I'm in uh, on, on ABC with Chris calling the biggest games of the week and calling national championships and been on game day for 26 years. 26. How in the world did I get here? <laughs> you know, sometimes I look, ask myself that. And so I kind of talk about how that came about and, and how, uh, you know, that's something I never take for granted. You know, day doesn't go by that I don't take uh, – I think about how fortunate I am to, to have the position that I have in, in, in uh, broadcasting and especially at ESPN and covering football. Beautifully put, Kirk. I mean, it's nothing more personal than writing a book and the fact that you put yeah. so much personal stuff in there. It's something that you're going you're gonna to love. You know, I'm sure you get a lot of plaudits from people who come up to you um, talking about what you do and how you do it. Anybody comes up to you says, "I loved your book." That's just going to be the greatest thing. Period. End of story. I can't imagine. And I speak as somebody who, you, who whose book can be gotten for one cent right now, probably somewhere. Um, <laughs> don't look it up, Chris. You can get it for a cent. Stand by. Already saying, hold on. Uh, it's just again beautiful, and 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 I hope that your sharing has uh, improved things for you, Kirk. Yeah, I mean, it's still hard for me. Um, it just, I think it's the way you're wired. You know, it's just one of those things. I was a kid, you're probably opposite of you. You seem to be very comfortable in your skin. You know, when you were a kid, if, if they asked you to get up and give a speech, I would pass. Like, I would just say, no, thanks. I'll take a zero. And uh teacher would be like, um, it's 25% of your grade, your final grade. I'm like, I'm good. You know, you can go ahead, go to the next person. Um, so to go from that to, you know, working in, in TV and on a, on a you know, national broadcast uh, every week is definitely not what I expected to do. That's for sure. Well, I know you've been speaking a lot about the book. Appreciate you stopping by here. Would love to have you once the games start. Let's talk. Let's do it. Thank you, Kirk. Love to. Absolutely. Good luck to your Wolves this year. Uh, I don't think you mean that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you mean it. I, I, I have no idea. Uh, honestly, uh, anybody asks me, I'm like, it just depends if Jim has got the quarterback. That's it, man. Yeah, well, that's been the story. That's it. That's been the story for a number of years. I, I was on with Leroy Horde earlier, you know, on this, this talking to a lot of different people. And first of all, I told him how great he was. I mean, that, that's a Michigan running back. Oh, yes, and it is. Oh, I yes. said, Leroy, was the last time Michigan had a back that was, you know, you, Anthony Thomas, Ty Wheatley. I mean, Bianca Patuka, sure. Was good. He was a good college back. But when was the last time they had Leroy Horde? back there big dude and, and the same with quarterback it was the last great michigan quarterback i i guess henny chad henny yeah. back in 07 yeah, sure. maybe i mean it's, think about that so if, if michigan wants to win in the fall they got to win in in february you got to win in recruiting and development but uh i, I was watching last thing big 10 network sure. last night had the usc michigan 89 Rose Bowl on That's Gerard Bunch. I covered Leroy that game. Horde. That was my. That was well. If it was the 89. I was nine. If it was the 89 season, 89, 1990. 89. 89 Rose Bowl. Okay. Yeah. 
And I, my Michigan last year was had like, junior USC had junior yeah. Sale, Mark Carrier, yeah. Rodney P. I mean, it was just awesome, right? I watched the whole game, and I'm thinking, that's Michigan right there. Well, the, I covered. They not look like that, Kirk. I covered Bo's last game. That was my my senior year of college. I was at that Rose Bowl. It was Todd Marinovich beaten Elvis yeah. Gerback, Desmond Howard, your colleague was had had, yep. had a nice catch in the game, and we had no idea what was to come from him um, in the rest of his career. But I just remember this: there was a guy in USC number fifty-five. I literally had to look Junior down at the i I had to look down at the um, at the the number sheet that I got, you know, of the flip card to see if there were two of them. I literally had to. Oh, he, I stopped at was... one point. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god. Is there are there two fifty fives? I thought about he was a sale. great pro, but he oh, was a ridiculous, ridiculous college player. Unbelievable. Never seen anything like it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I literally looked to see are there two fifty fives on USC and if so why. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> okay. I believe. Kirk, you take care of yourself. We'll chat down the line. Thanks, man. Okay. Congrats on all the right. book. Thanks, man. You bet. All all books are sold. Get out of pocket out of the pocket. Football fatherhood in the college and college game day Saturdays. Kirk Herbstreet at Kirk Herbstreet on Twitter and Instagram. What a story. So glad that he's sharing it. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show for the, the idea that Daniel Jeremiah gave us in the first hour. Bubble wrap players. Five guys in the NFL, right? We came up with five guys. Yeah, we're coming up with five. Come up yeah. a bunch of them uh, that, that need to be bubble wrapped right now because if they get hurt, that's a wrap on the season for the team. That's next on the Rich Eisen Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Where was it when you feel like you grew up when you were at Michigan? Well, it was 96, and it was the week before the uh, Michigan-Ohio State game. You know, I got to practice. I wasn't feeling well. My back was a little tight, and I told the, the, the trainer, you know, my, my back is not feeling right. He was like, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, he, he gave me some, uh, some uh, Advil or something, you know, Take this, don't worry about it. You don't have to practice today. I was like, great. But nobody relayed that message to Coach Carr. So, you know, we're in practice, and he calls me over a couple of times. Coach Carr. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was like, you know, you're not paying attention. If you're going to be out here at practice and you're not practicing, you got to pay attention. He said, hey, if you're not going to pay attention, then you can just leave. And I turned around. I walked out the field, walked into the locker room, put my clothes back on, and I walked to the dorm. And I was like, man, I'm transferring. I'm out of here. You walked out on Coach Carr and Michigan practice, Ohio State week, saying, I'm I'm leaving. I'm gone. My position coach, Vance Bedford, he calls me down to to Schimbeckler Hall. And he's like, listen, Coach Carr wants to talk to you. I need you to just go down there 
and apologize and everything will be okay and you're playing in the game on Saturday. I'm like, all right, walk down there, go into Coach Carr's office. You know, he asked me a question. He's like, you think you justified yourself by walking off the field? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I, don't, I, I don't think you had to make an example out of me. He was like, you know what? Well, you're not playing this week. I walked back down to Vance Beffer's office. He was like, I told you. <laughs> just go down there and just apologize. You know what? He picks up the phone. Da, 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 da. I don't know what he's doing. Uh-huh. Who he's calling? Call Miss Woodson. <laughs> I told this boy to go down there and apologize, and that's all he had to do. Here, you talk to him. And your mom's on the and phone. And so my mom's on the phone. And, you know, this is 96. There's no cell phone. So, he, you know, he luckily caught my mom at home at that moment. And uh, so I'm talking to my mom. She was like, what's, what's the problem? I'm like, you know, co- um, you know, my coach wants me to go down there go down there and apologize. I'm like, I'm not apologizing. She's like, Charles. She said, I, I, I understand. I know, I know you're, you're mad and you're angry. She said, if you're not going to apologize for yourself, then do it for me. Oh, boy. And oh, I, the old guilt trip. Nice. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay. I get up. I go down. Did it for mom. I did it for mom, man. Apologize to coach. He said, well, you know what? Good, Charles. You're playing this week. And how'd, so, you, and how'd you do against Ohio State? We won. I mean. You and, know. And, and you were fine with Coach Carr after that? Fine after that, man. year later, national champion, Heisman Trophy winner. Just showed uh, Charles Woodson from five years ago telling a story about how he walked out on Lloyd Carr because he was they were bashing heads Ohio State week. And then his mother got on the phone and told him, if you're not going to apologize to Lloyd Carr, apologize for me. He did. Played for Michigan. They won against Ohio State next year. National champion. Heisman Trophy winner. Then he's a top pick in the NFL draft. And two weekends ago, Pro Football Hall of Famer introduced by the same woman who said, apologize for me on behalf (laughs) of me. What a story. Wow. Georgia Woodson. Charles Woodson. I love stuff like that. That speech was amazing. Wasn't it great? (laughs) And I'll just say that, you know, I I, want to get to what we're going to do. Let's talk tomorrow about these. I I have not spoken about my Hall of Fame recollection of the weekend. Yeah, I definitely want to bring that up. I got a lot of stuff. Got a lot of stuff going ahead. Before you do that, Rich, real quickly, uh, the Jamal Adams news that we teased. He had been in, I wouldn't call it a stalemate, but he wanted to get paid. Uh, new deal with the Seahawks. Four years, max value of seventeen million. Looks like thirty-eight million guaranteed for Jamal. Adams. Seventy million deal. Four years, seventy million. Okay, these are the numbers that the Jets didn't want to give him. It's that simple, right? And um, and now the Seahawks have, which is great. The Prez signed, sealed, and delivered. Congrats. That's what he wanted. Boom. And he's not going to be franchise tag four years. And I have no idea how much of that is funny money or empty money. And if, like, year two, they're going to have to figure out another deal. I have no idea. Maybe. But all I know is the Prez is uh, it's coming to Seattle, Pizade, this year. Daniel Jeremiah was on an hour number one. He called Alvin Kamara a bubble wrap player. What does that mean? I love this. He said, put him in bubble wrap right now because if he gets hurt before the beginning of the season, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. And we're like, who are the other bubble wrap players in the league? And the only, I'm like, well, let's talk about it later. Let's have a segment. We're doing it. I don't think we got a drop or anything like that, but it's all good. Yeah, we're just And so, about you know, 
the bubble wrap players, I don't know how many others aren't quarterbacks. Right. That's that's kind of the thing. You know what I mean? Like, Kamara's a rarity. The only other non-quarterback who I think would be a bubble wrap player is Derrick Henry. Because that's a whole different ball of wax in Tennessee. He's an MVP type player. He should be like top five when it's all said and done in the MVP voting, if there's such a thing. He's a bubble wrap player. I understand they got Tannehill, and I understand they got A.J. Brown, and they put in the mix now with Julio Jones, but that's a bubble wrap player, man. He gets hurt, now you get a whole different ball of wax on offense for Tennessee that would make them less than. The other guys I came up with, Dak in Dallas, you don't want any piece of Ben DiNucci again. The new Russ, really, really Russ I mean, Geno Smith running that offense, it's a whole different ball of wax yeah. there. Yeah. Obviously. Well, I, thought, I thought Brady, I mean. Tom look, Looks a lot different Brady. with Blaine Gabbert back there, all due respect. I don't think you have meant any respect at all, <laughs> quite honestly. But, but Rich, I also had this, Chris and I had a Did conversation. you come up with one too? Well, yeah, but touching on his Tom Brady, I mean, obviously, if <clears throat> Brady's gone, the Bucks, yeah, they're not going to win the Super Bowl, but... All we've talked about is the fact that they have 22 starters returning. They have all their offense, all their defense, and their defense is elite. So my thought was, yeah, if they lose Brady, clearly they won't win the Super Bowl, but I don't think that team would completely fall apart without him. Mm. I mean, But they're not winning a Super Bowl either. Well, obviously Mahomes is in that mix too. Rodgers. I have Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a good one. You better bubble wrap him. Yeah. Well, uh, Trubisky's back there. That's guys. a good <laughs> higher register. You got another one? Uh, Who's another non-quarterback? Yeah, non-quarterback. Did yeah, we say Aaron Donald? I was just going to say Aaron, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is a really good one. Coyle Mack? I don't know. But Aaron Donald's a really good yeah. one. Would you, if I give you only one bubble wrap, do you put it around him or Matthew Stafford? Stafford. Don't you think? I, think I don't know, but kind of have the to. way that Sean McVay can do some sort of fairy dust and make it work. I guess, but you can without Stafford, I don't know if you're gonna score enough points to to beat any team. So you put it around Stafford instead of Donald. It doesn't matter because here in Los Angeles, any bubble wrap would be stolen by my three children and popped immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we get anything sent to the house, all of a sudden you see a pop, pop all over the house. I want to thank Kirk Herbstreet. I want to thank Daniel Jeremiah and, of course, Cameron Jordan. Tomorrow's show will be a great one. Kyle Brandt, Good Morning Football. Kevin O'Leary, now of <laughs> Money Court. And Michael Keaton of the Ooh. new movie, The Protégé. That'll be a great Wednesday. See you then.